Hey y'all, welcome to Couture Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Steele. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Couture Conversations Podcast. On this episode, I have a very special guest. She has been with me for my entire life, y'all. And this wonderful human is my sister, business partner, and COO slash CFO of my company, our company, Conversation Couture. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Olivia. Thanks for having me. Yes. All right. So today we're going to break down exactly what this boss woman does. She is a powerhouse. Not only is she an incredible sister to me, but she's also a mother of three beautiful children, my nieces and nephew, and a wonderful wife to her husband, Tim. But what we're going to get into today is talking a little bit about the numbers behind what we really do and the brilliance behind her ability to take my creative ideas, my creative madness, and turn them into these exceptional business ideas. Tell us a little bit about how you got started doing this for companies. I started way back in the 1990s. <laughs> yes, that's how old I am. And we, I started off working as a technical writer. What'll happen is, is that I took these old manuals on how, how to put together a router and I made them able, I put them on a CD and how to do that in with old time HTML and that big transition to when we switched from books to online. Yes. For those of you who don't know, Emily, definitely put that into the mix here. I am the youngest of all five of us children and Emily is the second oldest. There are 15 years, almost 16 years between us. However, one day I came to her with this crazy idea of this company that we now own together. And Emily finally said to me, oh my God, you finally have an idea that we can actually work on together. Yes, I was actually looking for a company that actually had many different ways to make money, different line items, I like to call them, not just one. The Conversation Couture, we were able to capture three different ways to making money. Yes. And talking about money. So let me just give you guys a little bit of an overview um, what our company does. So we help luxury retailers emulate what they do in person in the in-store sales process on their website to drive more sales. One of the favorite things I love to tell my clients is that if you're not driving engagement in some way on your website with human interaction in some capacity, you're leaving money on the table. I mean, like, think about it, y'all. The sales specialist is in store and they're anything but helpful. There's nothing there driving the sale. So Emily is the brilliant mind behind basically giving these companies an overview of where their business can go with adapting to this new sales channel opportunity. Right. And so when Olivia says, okay, we're going to have this client come to us, I immediately start looking at all the market research data to kind of understand what the potential is for that customer in the e-commerce space. She nerds me out on all of these numbers because she gets so excited. I'll get text messages from her saying that we've saved $5,000 on a deal because she has found a way. One of the things that we love doing for our clients is coming to the forefront before they even hire us to let them know where they're able to go 
And and tell, talk to us a little bit about what goes into, you know, kind of that number curation and um, everything that, you know, you love to pull together number wise. So the two things that I always look for is the first one is the overall market size of what industry that is and how fast it is growing. Now, e-commerce in general is always, always growing and it is exploding right now, especially with everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um, the other th- number that I really like to look at, the nickname is called KGAR, but it really is <laughs> compound annual growth rate, um, which is basically like how fast people are going to boost their sales. And in our line of business, we like to see a return on that in the first 60 days, ideally. When we're pulling these KGARs or these projections, we were just at this amazing Smart Retail Technology Expo. Talk to me a little bit about what you pulled in preparation for that. Okay, so one of the lines that the industries that we are involved in a lot is the skincare industry. Right now, if you are in the CBD skincare industry, I got really geeked out and I was so excited to tell Olivia that um, the skincare products that were at the expo, the KGAR for that is almost 28%, which is absolutely insane, y'all. That means that a $10,000 investment in 2018 turns into almost a $70,000 a company, insane growth. You just don't see that. Which is really exciting. And it's so great because Emily and I bring two different styles to business. I am the creative and she is the numbers. And in any partnership, you have to complement each other with those skill sets. But her and I had the ability to really get a big view on what it takes to be successful. For those of you who don't know, we are fourth generation entrepreneurs in our family. We've learned a lot of what to do and what not to do. Em, first of all, let's start positive. What did you learn from our family that you knew you wanted to carry out in your own business? A couple of things. The first thing is, is that the actual personal touch. People love that you remember them. And that kind of type of connection in a small business is very, very important. The other thing is that I also, what I learned as well, is that to make sure that you are always the best. See things and the way that you present yourselves, the way that you present your company makes all the difference in the world. So just say we all have days that are less than our best. You know, we all, some days we wake up and we're a little bit less motivated than we were the day before. Maybe we were a bit exhausted from our personal life, whatever that may be. The biggest thing, at least for me, what I learned is that don't say no before you've figured out if it's impossible. Because if somebody is asking for something, first figure out if you can deliver on it. Don't ever promise anything to say, oh, we can absolutely do that. I think that's sneaky business. But to say, you know, we haven't worked in that market yet. Let me get back to you next week or in a couple of days to figure out if that is something that we can do. But one of my most favorite quotes from you, Em, actually, is she's giving me these wide, I know you guys can't see her, but she's giving me these wide eyes right now. What what the heck is going to come out of my mouth is don't put nuts in your brownies. Oh, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. When people start a company, um, you really want to stay in your lane all the time. And when you have a new company, a lot of clients or potential customers like to make changes to your company. And if things do not fall into your mission statement, you have to turn away business. You have to turn away money to make sure you're staying in your lane. 
Um, I've owned a couple of companies in the past, and one of them was a brownie company. People always wanted me to have nuts in my brownies all the time, and I absolutely refused. Because of that, I became known as a brownie lady in, in my little neighborhood, and people loved my brownies. People always wanted to like change the color scheme, they wanted to add different things, and I was like, no, because you have to do one thing and do one thing really well for a long time, then get established, and then maybe five to six years down the road, you can put nuts in those brownies. Absolutely. So sticking true to who you are and what you're able to offer is really key. But another thing is, is that don't be afraid to diversify what you're able to offer once you've already been established as offering one specific thing. So when we first got started in this conversation, um, you mentioned being able to have a company that has several lines of reoccurring revenue. All right, numbers lady, talk me through taking this creative idea that I presented to you literally when I was on the beach one day. I said, is this viable? Walk me through what your reaction was and where your business numbers mind kind of immediately went. Okay, so I actually remember what I what where I was and exactly what happened. So I took Olivia's phone call and I walked outside and I was walking around my driveway and my area in the back because I needed to get away from my kids. So I was walking outside and I was thinking and talking. And as she was telling me about her idea, which did not have a company name yet, we, I was like thinking, okay, well, we can have our big clients. We can have the personal in, in person training, but that's only one line of revenue. We need multiple lines in order to make any company viable. I've always said we need multiple lines of revenue. So then I was thinking that, well, in addition to that, we could sell our product services to the retail sales associates that want to increase their own resume that want to add value or have their manager invest into the retail sales associates to increase their training opportunity, which could be done over a lunch. Take one class during a lunch. And so this is where my mind goes to those, those minute points of multiple lines of revenue. And then I was thinking, well, we also could sell the entire package to uh, their own company, have their own landing page on our website and sell it that way as well. So as she was talking to me, I said, okay, this is going to work. There's multiple streams of revenue. I had this boss one time. He told me that you need to have an ability to have a line of business where you're making a money in big chunks, but also have a line of business that keeps your lights on. And I never forgot that ever. So I knew whenever I was developing a plan or a company business plan, I knew that I needed to have both of those. So thinking about that and coming from you know the education world, I knew that I could trust Emily to come up with this idea because at the time she was working as an adjunct professor for Dallas College. And, you know, when you're looking at companies and we're considering taking them on as clients, walk me through, you know, as you do always, walk me through some of those numbers that you immediately try to look at to add some value to the conversation. So I always go back to those two main numbers that market research companies come up with. How fast is this industry growing as an overall market size? And also how 
fast, what is the percentage of the CAGR? Because those two ones together will give me a snapshot of whether this industry is completely ready to explode in the e-commerce world or if it's not really going to be moving. And if it's not moving, then hiring Conversation Couture is even more valuable. I can give you an example. So we love the luxury retail market. And luxury retail has been very slow to move into the online space. So, for example, um, I'm going to give you some numbers. So I, I geek out on these things. So just be patient with me, and I will promise you I will follow along. Just I, I will I will explain everything. So um, about 62% they have found of affluent customers they just prefer to be. It going to a store. They want that customer experience. That's a pretty high number considering how many of y'all probably use Amazon to buy everything under the sun, right? So, but could you be in, imagine being in a market, your primary customer that they prefer 62% of the time to be actually in the store? So you think about that for a second. And then you also have this other numbers that talks about how the luxury brands are moving to make up for their slow start in e-commerce. These last two years, they got killed because they were just not in the e-commerce space that was necessary. Who got killed? The luxury retailers got slammed. Their sales numbers just went down. They did not capture the e-commerce space in time. Um, and so they're trying really hard to recruit. So for example, there's this big, big company um, that owns a bunch of, of luxury brands. Like, Is this the one that's the Gucci, um, Balenciaga, YSL? Yes. Just to give you an example, their digital market people that they hired, they had four. But now they have over 80. So you can see on how like the digital market, that whole e-commerce thing, they are trying hard to capture that. Um, another company that's doing that right now is Prada as well. They are trying really hard to capture the, the e-market sales. You know, it's interesting because of, honestly, I believe where the economy is going is because of the climate we're in right now, not leaving your home because of circumstances prohibiting us to do so, but also, you know, riding that wave, like I mentioned last week in my speech, riding that wave of where sales are going. But I have to say, isn't it so easy to impress customers online if you're engaging them right now? Right. As I said last week at the expo, if you are first in your industry to offer virtual in-store experiences or converting a chat box conversation into a sale, you are going to be so much further ahead than anyone else in the industry. You are going to be the first one to market with this, which is very exciting, especially in the e-commerce space. So here's the deal, y'all. Like, look, I encourage you right now, Google it. Go on Chanel's website. Then go into Zara's website. I will provide my personal email address in this um, in this podcast link. If you can tell me the differences of the engagement, if you can tell me that Chanel does a better job than Zara on their website with engagement and helping customers select what they want to select, I will give you a shout out on my next podcast. So here's the thing. If you are one of these larger retailers, sure, you have the price tag, but the experience is lost. And that's why the 62% of people prefer to buy it in person. And that's why they're in line, <laughs> like I mentioned last week. So what Emily does is that she does a deep, deep dive into where the e-commerce space is going. I geek out about 
how fast we can get a company to grow sales-wise by just implementing a few simple tweaks to their already established and sustainable program. So what's really interesting is what we really love to do is to show companies where the market is going. And Emily and I both nerd out on two separate things um, when we're pulling these numbers for people. So Emily geeks out on the numbers and charts, but I geek out on how companies can truly have the ability to scale and grow their companies by just adapting a couple of techniques to drive sales in a virtual environment. So for example, um, we work in the jewelry market a lot. Let's share some market intel. When you talk about um, market research in general, you always say according to, because we want to be able to reference the market, the data that we get. According to IBIS World, the online jewelry and watch market is expected to grow into a $19.8 billion market by 2026. And that is up from the current state of $7.8 billion. The reason that is, is because right now only 7 to 9% of jewelry sales are done online. And it's because of that personal touch. And, you know, like I covered in my speech last week, what's so fascinating is when people are spending a, a lot of money on an item, they simply just want to have a conversation with someone, a human. And that's why human interaction and technology working together is really an unstoppable force. The way that these companies are getting these projections is simply by noticing the opportunity of where the market can go because of how fast it's grown in the last, what is it, M? Like, like seven, seven or eight years. It's been crazy. And I can also tell you that the online sales market is the biggest opportunity in the jewelry and watch market. So that is not not getting the next new best thing. It actually is to expand the online sales market is the biggest opportunity in that industry right now. And it's also fascinating because companies don't even need to hire a ton of additional hands to start thinking about a small business and, you know, thinking about our family who owned and operated small businesses for a very long time. You don't have to hire brand new people. You have people working for you that can already start to do this, which is so great. All you have to do is invest in them, invest in them. I think it was what LinkedIn came out with that study a couple of years ago, where if you're investing in your employees development, 98% of people said that they would, they would want to stay with the company longer. So why not invest in those people and give them a new skill set that they can carry on and feel loyal to your company? We just left a CBD and Smart Retail Technology Expo. Those numbers shocked the heck out of me because of how saturated that I thought that market was. But what was even more fascinating is with a saturated market, you're always going to get customers, or excuse me, you're always going to get companies that are going to diversify themselves. And we came across some seriously, amazingly cool companies that are the luxury level of this industry. So um, talk a little bit about those numbers because I'm hoping that some of these folks are listening. When you have a huge market kind of like skincare, right? That is, that is a, that is a market that is ginormous. Like you can, (laughs) there's so many smaller markets, right? You can do body lotions, facial care. What we witnessed this last week was a CBD skincare, which I did not know anything about. So I was like, well, let me look into these numbers. That's what I do. When I saw the numbers for the CBD skincare market in general, I literally was speechless. 
<laughs> there are very rare opportunities right now in this world with everything, you, you think everything is available, to have something that is going to grow over $3.4 billion by in by 2026 when it started off this year, not even at a billion dollars, <laughs> is insane. I know I referenced the, 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 the Kagar rate before, almost at 28%. That you don't see these numbers anymore. Like I saw those numbers back in the nineties, like when the internet happened, <laughs> you don't really see these numbers right when now. When the internet happened. I think that's the name of this podcast. I think you've just named it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was like crazy growth back in the nineties. Like this is like the same amount of growth that is happening right now. And um, by offering an additional sales channel to that, um, offering the e-commerce sales channel is incredible amount of growth. I, I, I just, I was so excited to find it. I was geeked out. I was running around my house. I was calling Olivia like, oh my gosh, I got all these numbers. And she was like, great, put it down. <laughs> and it's really fascinating too, because we have, um, our siblings are also entrepreneurs. And so, you know, when we're telling them about what we're doing, what, the women of the family are doing when we come strong and heavy with these projections that these companies are pulling for us, which is amazing too. I think one of the things that I've found the most helpful for me with, you know, having such an incredible support system like my family is don't get stuck in the spreadsheet of things. Emily does an incredible job at not getting stuck in the spreadsheet she sees these numbers and she's able to say, okay, that's amazing, but you still have to adapt it to actually reap the reward. And I hear and see so many people getting stuck in trying to analyze things for too long. There's only so many numbers you can pull. There's only so much research you can do. And the beautiful thing about the culture that we live in now is that I would argue that the majority of the research that you would need in order to start your company already exists. So when we were starting Conversation Couture, one of the very first things Emily did was go and pull numbers to see how viable our idea was. What was it? The study by Neil Patel like was really the one. Yeah, that was that was kind of a really big thing. It talks about... Um... 30% of increase in sales just by having a real person in the chat box. And also one of the first things I also look for is who is in this market right now? Who are our competitors? Who are we going up against? And because this is such a new concept, virtual in-store experiences and actually using the chat box to boost online sales, we didn't find anybody. And I looked like <laughs> I could not find anybody. And I thought I was not searching the right word. You know, you know, you go to the, you know, you go to Google and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll try this one or maybe I'll try that one. I found nothing. And I was like, what is happening here? We have three different lines of revenue stream and there's nobody doing this. And I said to Olivia, let's, let's go. It was kind of crazy because in the online education world, People take the time to get to know their students. That's just the culture. It's consultative. It's making sure that the person is on the right track for what they really want to do in their life. And you have to take that kind of approach, just like you would if you're going to see a psychologist. They're asking you questions to probe and to get to know you. But the beautiful thing is, is that that can translate into getting to know and understand your customers, getting to know and understand their network, and having a truly uncapped ability to retain 
and grow your sales by just asking the right questions in the right sequence. I always like to leave these episodes with some hot tips and tricks. We've shared a lot of, you know, interesting market research, but one of the most beautiful things about working with my sister is that she has a plethora of experience working with small businesses, not only witnessing what our family has done, but also all these hot tips and tricks she's picked up the way with growing out these small businesses. So um, if we were to cap off this episode, you know, with just some really amazing things that you feel any small business owner would really benefit from, what are some of those things that you would love to share with them? All right, Liv, if I was to start up a new small business. She finally called me Liv. We're finally <laughs> back to how things are back in the office. Okay. okay. Now that we're no longer being formal. <laughs> okay. So there are two things that I would always, I always tell new business owners. The first one is know who your customer is. Number one. And sometimes it's not who you think it is. So make sure you're doing the research and you understand who your customer is. And then I was in... Um, MBA school, I had this one of those crazy professors, you know, the ones that (laughs) you always will remember because they're like, I don't know, they come in like hot every time, late, hot, paper slime. He always said to us, do one thing and do one thing really well and be known for that. And that has stuck with me over and over and over again. Um, Just do one thing and do one thing really well and really know where your customer is at. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of something, one of my professors, she was exceptional, but she said in one of our lecture classes, don't expect to throw a bunch of shit at the wall and expect anything to stick. You need to create a product. And I was in fashion school, so she genuinely genuinely meant product. (laughs) Don't create a product that everyone else is doing because that's literally throwing more shit at the wall. We already have that. Think about what already exists and come up with an idea that does it better than everyone else out there. And that will make you memorable in the industry. So don't throw shit at the wall. <laughs> it's basically what I learned. So it's similar. That's interesting. Both of our professors had a similar lasting impression on us. So Em, is there anything else you want to add onto this wonderful podcast? And thanks for coming on, sis. No, I'm just super excited for the podcast. And uh, Olivia will put my uh, my contact information in the notes. And uh, if you guys ever have a question for me, I'm always here. The cool thing is, is something that Emily didn't even touch on at all, is she is a master at balance. So I'll have to have her back on um, in the next couple of weeks here to talk about balance because she is a wife, she's a mom of three, and she's also kicking ass at co-owning and co-running running this company with me. So She's the master of doing work in the car at pickup. She's the master of, (laughs) as we laugh, she's the master of taking business calls in the carpool lane and just working it and grinding it out when she needs to, but also being there for her family. And she's actually running out the door now because she's taking her family to, what is that movie? The new Marvel movie. (laughs) The new Marvel movie. She's amazing. I'm so lucky to have her as my business partner. I know I talk about her a lot here, but I thought you guys would enjoy hearing from her from the source. Thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone today, sis, and coming on the podcast with me. Always a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. I'll see you guys next week. 